Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about the annoying yellow smiley face. No, 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 no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guest today, I want to invite you to join our conversation live by calling us at 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869. Or you can chat with us um, uh, via Twitter at Lisa Kamen on HH Talk Radio, also on Twitter, or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. We are talking about something today that is not so happy. And in fact, we explore a lot of unhappy subjects on this show uh, because it really is about letting the world know that from the comfort of our own environment, there are other things going on in the world that uh, are not joyful, that are quite serious, and that we need to raise awareness about in order to do something about them. We are talking with some friends of this radio station and my show that have been with us before. They are uh, Brian Single and Jane Ekayu. And Brian is the director and producer of Children of War, an award-winning documentary film that was made in Uganda over a period of three years, which follows a group of former child soldiers of the war criminal Joseph Coney as they escape the battlefield and entering the sanctuary of a rehabilitation center in which they undergo a remarkable process of trauma therapy and emotional healing. I don't know if we've got Brian with us. We've kind of got a crazy morning in the ethers. Do we have Brian in the house? Um, no, Brian won't be there. He's not well. Um, it's just me who is here. He's not He's not. He's not well. Oh, my. Well, no. uh, we wish him the very best. 
And we're going to uh, then continue our conversation with Jane. Jane Akayu is a trauma counselor and formal, former uh, a counselor of former child soldiers of Joseph Kony. And she is the founder of Children of Peace Uganda, a, a nonprofit which works to heal and empower these youth through psychosocial therapy, creative art therapy, education, and empowerment programs. Since 2004, um, Ms. Akayu has helped more than 3,000 of these children rehabilitate and return home to their communities. Jane also travels around the world to raise awareness of the issues of child soldiers and post-war rehabilitation. She's captivated audiences in schools, university, community groups, human rights organizations, as well as in the United Nations General Assembly Hall. Good morning, Jane, and welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me back. Oh, I'm, I'm delighted to have you back and to update us what's been going on. Are you calling? Are we speaking to you from Uganda, or are you in the states at this time? I'm in the states. I'm in Hawaii. Oh, in Hawaii! Lucky you. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what has gone on uh, in the last few months since we last. Let's talk about the, a brief history of, the, of Joseph Kony and the Lord's Resistance Army. You know what was done to these young children, abducting them from their homes and essentially kidnapping them and making them in, into killers. Yeah, it has been um, one of the most unfortunate things that has happened. Most fortunate indeed, because it targets children, which children are supposed to be and are our leaders of tomorrow. And that's the most unfortunate about it. And they can be their weak and very vulnerable. And in the hands of the youth terrorists, it's very unfortunate indeed. So the war itself, probably for the few who are uh, not, not aware of this, it started way back in 1986. Uh, Joseph Kony, whom most people right now know, felt he was not satisfied with uh, the governance uh, in Uganda. And then he went into the cover of Christianity, and that's how he started. He felt he said the, the country should be governed under the Ten Commandments. But then when he started, people began asking themselves, you know, what he was saying was completely contrary to what he was doing. So when the older people began resisting him, he then went back and began um, abducting children, kidnapping children in schools, in homes, the number of times killing parents, and the children who resisted definitely got killed. And that's the most unfortunate thing. So that war went on for so many years in Uganda for over two decades. In 2007, 2008, there was an attempted peace deal uh, between the government of Uganda and uh, the rebels, Joseph Coins rebels, with a negotiation with the government of Sudan. So the rebels then shifted off from Uganda, and unfortunately, they spread to the other, other countries, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Central African Republic, and of course, the Sudan. So that's just a brief um, about the war. Yeah. Mm. And, and how was it for you living in this period of time, living in a war zone? Um, and because I get to that uh, before, uh, there's one thing that I wanted to correct. The media has always um, said I was a former child soldier. No, I've only worked with the children who are former child soldiers, children affected by armed conflicts. And of course, survived a number of times abduction on the way, and survived ambushes. And uh, but I was not uh, I'm not a former child soldier, so definitely it was very hard because this happened right in 
where I was in northern Uganda, uh, where I come from. And I know of the children who abducted. I know of the age mates who got kidnapped. I know the families as I began work um, in the rehabilitation work, the families that I know their children have gotten killed, families that have lost even five or more children, families that have lost parents, and that has been hard, definitely. And this is what motivated you to to do the work that you're now doing, is, is watching this happen. Were you trained as a social worker or a therapist prior to this? Oh, yes. I had been trained as a social worker and um, a trauma therapist. I, was also, I had also had a training as a teacher. And um, in 2004, you know, that was at the peak of the war, um, I, I just asked myself, what can I do to improve the situation? And it was just me, and I decided I wanted to do something. And that time, instead of going, that day, instead of going to my place of work where I was working, I called my boss and told him I was not going to work, and I would explain to him later. So this center, the Raquel Rehabilitation Center, had just opened a few months, and I went to there, and I told him I wanted to be there. It was my passion to see the children recover and empowered, because I, I knew definitely they had gone through so much pain, and I knew that I believe that if I, I was there to reassure them, you know, that in spite of what had, they had been subjected to, they can start to love again in life and succeed. That's all that, that I wanted. Yeah. And that is what I find so, not just beautiful, I would say exquisite about the work that you do because it's about restoring love, hope, optimism, and well-being in these young men and women, because there are girls, too. We're going to go to a break in a minute, and, I, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Many people think, oh, they're just a, a few bad boys. Well, these were not bad boys. These were children that were taken no. from their homes yeah. and kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And, and this is something in, in the Western world that is very hard for us to comprehend, that somebody could just come into the home and take your child. And this was the reality during that period of time in, in Uganda, and this is a very, very serious problem, and we, 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 we devote at least one or two of these shows a year to the child soldiers because I don't think that many people really understand. Um, yeah. In working with trauma, uh, you know, we, 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 I just mentioned love, you know, love, restoring love, hope, and optimism. Talk a little bit mm. about the ways in which you work, the holistic ways. We're going to go to a break, so we just have a minute, but just briefly we'll begin that conversation and carry over when we return. Okay. Um, we look at a person as a whole, uh, because if you attend to the emotional person and leave out the physical person and leave out the development of the person, that means there is a big gap that will still remain. And so we, we, I do trauma therapy. When the children return, the first thing we address is the physical person. Because most of them return with, with bullet wounds, most of them are highly malnourished. So we begin to address the physical person first, and then we get into the heart of the person. Because the heart of the person contains everything, you know, like controls the whole human being. So that's why we go into... Um, Indeed. Uh, that, that's why we, we... We're going to go, go to a break. Into, we're gonna, Jane, Jane. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Hello. We're going to need to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to carry on the conversation of how 
Um, Jane works with trauma in these young men and women. To learn more about Jane Ukiah and her work, go to childrenofpeaceuganda.com. To learn more about Children of War film, the film that um, where Brian Single met Jane, you can go to childrenofwarfilm.com as well. Here come the tunes. We will be right back. And with Thanksgiving approaching, I want to plant the seeds of uh, gratitude and the expression of gratitude to those you love and adore for the things you are thankful for. We're coming right back, and we'll carry on the conversation. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I wanted to make a difference. Sorry, there are... We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about a very difficult subject and one that does not often come up in conversation in the United States or much of the, of the Western world, and that is um, children, child soldiers. And we have today uh, Jane Akayu in the house, who is a trauma counselor, and she works with the former child soldiers of Joseph Kony. And she's the founder of the Children of Peace Uganda, a nonprofit which works to heal and empower these youth through an integrative approach to trauma therapy. And Jane, prior to the break, we began to talk about, you know, treating the physical wounds when the children come to the center, that their bodies are looked after, they're given the medical uh, attention they need, and then what happens? Then the work begins, right? Yes. So that's where we begin from, and then we go into the emotional person. Um, so in the emotional person, we, we build their emotional strength to accept that actually what they have gone through, they can't reverse it, but they can't have the future. And they have to choose the positive. They have to choose love as opposed to hatred. They have to choose forgiveness as opposed to revenge. You know, 
Because for us, we, we realized that we have gone through so much. The children were subjected through so much. So that's why we had to revisit the subject of forgiveness. We teach the children to forgive the people who have forced them to kill their own parents. The people, the rebel commanders of Joseph Coin, who have raped the girls, who have you know, made them mothers at that early age of 14 or 13 years, and um, who have made them lose their formative years. They should have been in school not holding guns. You know? So we teach them to forgive because if they don't arrive at the point where they're able to forgive, you know, this unforgiveness, the bitterness will eat them up. So we teach them why they should forgive and then the basic steps on how they should forgive. Because for us, number one, forgiveness benefits the survivor. You know? Because if the person does not forgive, that bitterness eats them up. And soon their health will begin breaking down. And that means they are going to be hurt the second time or they will get secondary hurt, which they don't deserve. So we teach them why they should forgive. And we believe that forgiveness helps rebuild broken relationships. Because we, we, the, the relationship between the children and the parents, between the children and the community has come, was completely gone. Because the rebels would force the children to go kill their neighbors. And that created a lot of enmity, which we are still dealing with even right now. And we also believe that forgiveness does not only restore the person, but helps to preserve the future. These are children who have been you know, exposed to holding guns at that age. And why we believe that if they're able to forgive, we will preserve the future by preventing revenge. You know, when we research a little about the suicide bombers, about these people who you know break into a house, break into, back into a super, a supermarket and a mall and kill people, none of those people hurt them in any way. You'll find that they were hurt somewhere, but it was not dealt with, and then eventually, by the time they begin to revenge. You know, they're revenging on anybody, and that's what we don't want. And that's what we are trying to, to, to preserve. You know, we don't want a repeat of this in any form. So that's why we, we emphasize on the subject of forgiveness. And definitely it has been, there's, there's a lot of success in this. I have seen the children, because where they arrive at the point where they're able to forgive, the children become children again. They begin to play with others. You know, their grades in school begin to improve. Their health begins to improve. Then you see a real person again. So there are some basic steps that we take them through because there are definitely so many people in that want to forgive. But, you know, the issue is how do I do this? You know, so one thing we tell them is <clears throat> the reason why they should forgive, which I've already said. And then the next step is they begin, they should begin to desire to forgive because it's something good. They should decide to forgive, you know, and then they should begin to practice to forgive. And one of, one of the ways that they should practice like with the children that we work with, you know, if, if they have not been greeting the other child because they know that child was forced to kill their own father or their own mother, we ask them to begin to greet them. And we always tell them that, you know, when you begin to forgive somebody, sometimes it's from your mouth, confess it. And then eventually it will go into your heart. And we always tell the children it's a gradual process. It's okay. Today you will feel well. Tomorrow you will not feel well about it. That's okay. The best thing is to start. And of course, the first time they begin, they break down and they cry a lot. But to us, that's the process, which is okay. And then we tell them to confess it. Sometimes we ask them when they are alone, mention the name of the person who has hurt you most. If you don't remember their names, think about that person and tell the person verbally 
like the girls who have been sexually abused, we ask them if it was Joseph Coin they were given to or if it was any other commander, we ask them to call the name of that person and tell the person, I choose to forgive you today. And we tell them to repeat that, you know, as long as they still feel the pain inside them. And a number of times, after two months, after three months, they come back and tell you that they can mention the name of that person today and don't, they don't feel the pain anymore. So we know that they are almost arriving at a, a point where they're able to forgive. I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to jump in here for a minute. Jane, I'm going to jump in here for a minute because I want to point out that this, this concept of forgiveness in, the, in, the, in a very, very radical, um, uh, it's a radical approach for the situation that you are discussing because the, uh, the normal response is to want to hurt the person that has hurt you. And what you're suggesting, mm-hmm. which is not only for a war situation, but is a, uh, a strategy that is applicable to anyone who has gone through trauma to release themselves from the bondage of their perpetrator. Because the process of yes. forgiveness, as you so beautifully say, is not for the person that harmed them. It's for the forgiver. It's the forgiver is the one yes. that stands to thrive through forgiveness. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly why we, we emphasize it, because definitely benefits, number one, uh, the survivor, the next person who will benefit is the next person who, the person who is next to that person who has survived all these abuse. And then eventually it overflows. Because what we realize that every single human being gives out, you know, what they have, what's inside you. If you have peace inside you, you are going to give out peace to the next person around you. If you have bitterness in you, sometimes you don't even intend it, but it flows, you know, to the person who is next to you, the people who hear you, the people who get in contact with you. And that's why we realize that um, when we have peace cultivated in the hearts of people, then we are going to have a peaceful community. Then we are going to have a peaceful country. We are going to have a peaceful world. You know, we believe it begins from an individual. Um, yeah. And this is the reconciliation process. That to to coach a person or counsel a person to make the reconciliation with him or herself first, internally. Yes. And then be able yes. to 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 release the judgment to release. Uh, uh, all of the um, uh, harshness that you've held towards another is, is key. Let's talk a little bit about the other processes that you go through. You work with uh, music and art as a healing as healing modalities to help these young men and women, these boys and girls, in their journey. Talk a little bit about that, please. Oh, yes. We, we realize that in our setting in Uganda and Africa, music is a bigger part of every person's life. You know, in, in, in Africa, we we dance when there's a marriage. We dance when somebody has died. You know, we sing about it. We sing out our pain. We sing out our joy. You know, we sing out the welcome, you know. So we, we looked into that, looked at our own traditions, and that's why we invented the music part of it. So we use uh, so much decorative arts, which include, of course, the music. We do the drawing because there are some children who cannot say what they were subjected to, but they are able to draw. And then we go into that and ask them, who is this? What is this they have drawn? And then um, um, we do the dance, of course. And then uh, we do a sport. Because we realize these are very unifying factors also. Uh, Sports brings people together, and they begin to appreciate one another, which eventually overshadows their differences, you know. 
and the community begins to appreciate because that's one thing we are doing also um, in, in the process of reconciliation, forgiveness and reconciliation. We have also to reconcile the communities and the children. You know, so one of the methods that we do is, of course, like right now with the children of East Uganda, we are we're doing running project with the children where we go around into the community in those villages and the people, you know, stand at the roadside and they're appreciating children. And I'm so sure they know. We don't tell them that this, uh, this child uh, was a former child soldier, this one was like, but you know, they begin to appreciate so that by the time they discover this, they are able to, to you know, to appreciate, oh, even if they have, you know, this side of them, which is not very good, but there's this thing, good thing about this child, there's this good thing about this person. So that's why we use um, most of those methods as well. Yeah, and then the other one that we use is um, leadership mentorship, because we we recognize so much the potential um, of leadership in these children. And to me, who is a better peace ambassador? Because our theme is raising peace ambassadors. Who is a better peace ambassador than the person who has gone through so much pain? You know, I work with these children and. You find a trophy telling you, I don't want another child to lose a mother like I did. I don't want another child to be kidnapped like I was. I don't want another child to be killed like my brother was. So I see so much in these children, and I believe they are the, the, the force that's going to bring reforms of peace, peaceful conflict resolution, conflict prevention, because they don't want another person to go through this, you know. So what Children of Peace Uganda is doing is really raising future leaders. You're helping to cultivate these young men and women who have faced tremendous adversity to move forward in their lives as future leaders, to not repeat the pattern of, of violence that was perpetrated upon them, and to uh, find joy in their hearts and minds through this process of forgiveness, through reconciliation, through healing the mind, the body, and the spirit. And this can't be done alone. Mm -hmm. This is a, you're, you're, you're one woman on a, on a huge mission. So mm -hmm. I want to make sure that we give our listeners uh, the website where they can go to support and to get involved what you're doing at Children of Peace Uganda, and that is childrenofpeaceuganda.com. Um, again, it's childrenofpeaceuganda.com. And on Facebook, it is the same, Children of Peace Uganda. And um, yeah. tell us what you're doing now. We have about 30 seconds. So very quickly wrap up what, 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 what current things are going on. Um, number one right now, of course, the work is ongoing. And uh, with the Children of Peace, if they go to the website, they will be able to, to find that. I want to ask everyone that definitely I need your support. Uh, right now, what I'm focusing on, as I've worked over the time to the children, the community, they are spread all over, I realized that there is a need for a central place. So my vision 2014-2015 is to build a center. In the center, we're calling it a peace center. Uh, we want to have um, what we call the PAL, where we will do all this, the, the, um, the art work of... We're going to break, Jane. I'm and so sorry. We're going to have to cut you off. Oh, dear Jane, we're going to have to cut you off. Here come the tunes. We will have you back again. Thank you for being with us once again. To learn more, go to childrenofpeaceuganda.com. Here come the tunes. Okay, thanks. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. 
Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win enter our weekly contests at harvesting happiness on facebook where we give away our guests books music film and products each week in addition we also do great harvesting happiness giveaways like free coaching sessions with lisa cypress cayman lisa's books happiness first aid kits h factor where is your heart documentary film happiness is an inside job products including the sterling silver infinity bracelet that benefit harvesting happiness for heroes a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues join us at harvesting happiness on facebook Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about something that is very difficult and not so happy. We are talking about children of war. We're talking about child soldiers uh, in Uganda and Liberia. And uh, my next guest is filmmaker Cynthia Travis, who has worked in Liberia since 2003, where she's developed innovative grassroots approaches to conflict resolution with her nonprofit organization, Everyday Gandhis. Her most recent film, The Fight to Forgive, follows former child soldiers who were forced to fight in Liberia's brutal civil war. The Fight to Forgive teaches what perpetrators of violence have as an extraordinary capacity to become peace builders. With an academic background in human development and creative writing and a professional life in mediation and conflict resolution in vulnerable communities, Cynthia believes that storytelling is a powerful tool to conflict resolution. Good morning, Cynthia. Thanks for coming back and updating us. Good morning. I'm happy to be with you today. All right. Well, let's talk about Everyday Gandhis and the work that you're doing with former child soldiers in Liberia. Great. Uh, We have a core group of uh, six former child soldiers and a larger group of about 15 uh, war-affected youth that are in our scholarship program. And uh, they, in turn, reach out to wider and wider circles of their contemporaries. So through them, uh, we reach large communities uh, of child soldiers and combatants in northwest Liberia, primarily. 
um, of some in Monrovia, and uh, we also now, since we talked last, we have cross-border uh, peace games, soccer games, and kickball games with ex-combatants in Sierra Leone and Guinea. Wow, that's fantastic. I think it's you were lit. just about to start that, actually, when we spoke last. I think so, yeah. So that's going really wonderfully well, and the kids are also, um, they've had quite a bit of training now in photography and peace building and in interfacing with the community, particularly traditional elders, and in uh, doing community service uh, that allows them to make amends and to reclaim their dignity. Uh, in exchange for the support that they receive from us and also uh, the forgiveness and, and uh, welcome back from the community. So there's an exchange there. There are some quotes that, that I have here that are very poignant that really touch upon what, what we're speaking of. And the first quote is, it could be me. And this is something that is very foreign to our Western listenership because the thought of our children being taken from us and conscripted into war is beyond comprehension. It is. And uh, actually that quote was from one of the kids who was in our core group. He's actually, he was a refugee. He was not forced to fight, but through living with the kids that uh, were fighters, he realized that uh, it was just chance that it wasn't him and that it could well have been and that maybe uh, he and the rest of us are capable of things that we wouldn't normally imagine. And it could be someone I love. It could be someone I love, yes. And, and, you know, another quote from a college student um, that was part of a discuss, discussion group uh, that, that I conducted in Santa Barbara, um, they said something else, which was that they had met someone who they really looked up to and found out later that he had committed atrocities in the Iraq War. And so it brought home, she said, but by then we already loved him. So there's a kind of a, um, a link there, I think, between those two quotes, because it it really shows us that if we connect with people with who they are and with their best self, then um, people that we wouldn't normally feel that we could be, uh, that we could care about or that we could feel connection to, uh, suddenly become uh, someone that we know personally or we could imagine knowing personally. And so that line begins to blur a little bit about who the bad guys are, who the good guys are. And, and how we navigate that. And I think this is also taps into the forgiveness process that Jane started talking about and you touched upon when we first started speaking, that the forgiveness, the, the coming to a place of forgiveness, and it is a process. One doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to forgive. There is a process and, um, that one needs to go through to come to that point. But what resides on the other side of it is a truth and authenticity that enables us to transform that experience, that traumatic experience. That's right. And so the word trauma here is so, it has such a lot of um, deep roots in the forgiveness process. And even going back to that first comment of it could be me, because um, we have multi-generational trauma that... um, you know, who knows when it began? Where do we start? Was it slavery? Was it colonization? Um, has it been 
the resource extraction and the brutality of that. So when we have multi-generational trauma, um, the forgiveness work is very complex and sometimes just being in the process is sufficient. And, you know, we can't know, we can't dictate to somebody that they should or shouldn't forgive. It's a personal process. I agree. You present it as a, as a, as a concept for their consideration. Yes, and to, to explore what it, what it would take and what it would mean for each of us to uh, release that poison that lives in us when we hold grudges, when we hate someone, or when we hate ourselves, when we don't forgive ourselves. So it becomes a way to, um, to do what I call unwinding the, the spiral of violence and addressing that vortex that keeps pulling more and more people into it. So forgiveness is certainly also a process that allows people to um, be humble and engage with others from that place of, of humility and also generosity. What is the mythological framework of this culture? That is a question that I've been sitting with uh, quite a bit recently. You know, it, it, if you look at the mainstream media, what you see is a lot of adversarial relationships, good guys, bad guys, violence, revenge, um, the, a lot of messages about how we have to live, what we should look like, and um, what we should buy in order to fill that void inside of ourselves that comes from, uh, in my belief, that comes from being disconnected from our true purpose and from the natural world. And so... Um, if that's the mythological framework of this culture, then we can see that that perpetuates violence. Um, and the question that I, you know, that follows that, that I've been asking myself is what is the mythological framework of um, our vision for the future, of the ideals that are pulling us forward out of the dilemmas that we're in right now? Mm. And you know, the vision for the future is... Um, laced with hope, you know, that if we didn't have hope and we didn't have belief in the possibility of a better tomorrow, it would be impossible to do the work that you do. It would be. It would be. And, you know, there was, I was thinking about um, some of the iconic moments and stories of um, working with the people that I've been fortunate to meet in Liberia, and um, there's a story of a a rebel general, his, um, his name is Master General, and uh, he was a traditional man who understood that in traditional culture in Liberia, elephants are considered a sign of peace. And three months before the ceasefire, before the end of the war, he and his men came upon an elephant, uh, mother and calf, in the wild, and he commanded all his men to lay down their weapons and um, they never fired another shot, although the war was continuing. And I asked him how many people he was commanding at that time, and he said, oh, he says, 36,000. Mm. So to me, that, that moment and understanding the implications of that, that to me creates a myth, a myth a lot, not a myth in terms of something that isn't true, but a mythic context that we can begin to locate ourselves in to say, okay, that lifts us to someplace entirely different. 
So the, the mythological framework can pull us forward towards the vision and remind us of <clears throat> what's possible and, um, and remind us to look for that and to see ourselves that way. Beautiful. And so this is this this is a part of the mysteries of that healing process. You know, the inexplicable when magic happens. You know, there is a transformation yeah. that can occur. And I, I appreciate what you're saying because I I do see it in my own work here, where I work with American veterans that are returning from war, and I work a lot with addiction that is resulting from war and just general addiction. And you know what those wars. The, the war that we're speaking of in Liberia is an extreme, with extreme circumstances with the children. But the wars that go on in our individual lives are pervasive. Yes, I think you're so right about that. And I, in fact, I was thinking about, you know, happiness, harvesting happiness, and the idea um, that flies in the face of people who feel that they are victims or perpetrators and that limits their understanding of of who they are, and um, so when you talk about creating happiness and tapping into it, you're doing exactly that. You're creating a mythological context that changes how we understand ourselves. Right. It's 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 supposed to be a, a paradigm changing approach to to thriving, to um, to living, to suffering. You know, because suffering is an inevitability, and it's what we do with that suffering that becomes the opportunity. Yes, yes, exactly. And there are so many stories like that that, um, that you know, that's why I love what you're doing because it brings some these stories forward um, yes. so that, you know, we, we can step out of this uh, limited belief that nothing is possible, things won't change, I'm stuck, I'm victimized, and we begin to see that um, miracles are all around us. And without oh. being unaware that, the suffering is real, but to include the suffering in that ability to see something larger. We are not poo-pooing suffering here. We actually, we're, we're, we're uh, the idea is to transform it. We're going to go to a break, and when we return, we'll carry on our conversation with Cynthia Travis. To learn more, go to www.everydaygandhi.org and www.thefighttoforgive.com. On Facebook, we've got Everyday Gandhi's Future Guardians of Peace, and the fight to forgive. And on Twitter, Cynthia can be found at, at Everyday Gandhi's, and that I want to spell Gandhi's, it's G A N D H I S. Here come the tunes, we will be right Happiness back. can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. 
Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this free and easily accessible podcast on iTunes because we're talking about a very uncomfortable subject, but one that actually does relate to happiness. We're talking about children of war and the transformative healing process that some of the children are fortunate enough to be able to go through at the hands and hearts of Cynthia Travis, who is a documentary filmmaker. Her film is The Fight to Forgive, and she's worked in Liberia since 2003. And prior to the break, we began to talk about the healing process, the reconciliation process, the mythological societal framework that surrounds us, that dictates what we do, how we do it, what, what we should think and be, and how it affects these young men and women in war-torn areas when they uh, heal after war, when they come home and they are able to put the pieces back together. So, Cynthia, we started to touch up upon responsibility and blame prior to the break, and I want to pick up on that because this is huge. This is also a very large part of the healing process. I agree with you, yes. So, um, you know, when we get stuck in blame, we remain in the magnetic pull of what I think of as a vortex. So anything from, you know, if you think of yourself getting up in the morning, uh, you're grumpy, you got up on the wrong side of the bed, your whole day can kind of cascade down from there. Um, But if, you know, if you meet someone or you yourself are in a good mood and you're grounded and centered and smiling then you lift up everyone around you. And I think of that as a spectrum, a continuum. So if you start with your mood and go all the way to war and violence, you can see that um, how we treat people and our outlook on the world um, creates a magnetic field that pulls other people into it. And violence is a particularly strong um, vortex. And if we don't address it, and if we remain in the, what you call the blame game, then we're perpetuating that, um, that downward spiral into violence. And it is, uh, it is so strong. You know, the, the violence is, has a stronger vortex than, I would say, a more joyful approach in the beginning. But then once I agree. it grabs hold, you know, the positive um, switch has been flipped, I think that the more positive side outweighs the light trumps the dark. Yes, and but you're right. That threshold is um, is a place that's really um, charged with a lot of energy. So you know that relates to what the other thing we were touching on in the break, which was um, the idea of the edge being the 
or that threshold, being an edge where there's a lot of complexity, there's a lot of energy to tap into, there's a lot of vitality, and it can be tricky, um, especially because violence and blame trigger a kind of adrenaline release that can be really um, compelling. Adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, and we were talking about the borders and edges, and and it was you you had written or one of someone was quoted from the film in human communities as in nature, the edge is where the action is. Exactly. So, for example, uh, in permaculture, which is a form of sustainable agriculture that taps into a lot of indigenous traditions um, that seek to uh, produce food. In, um, in a way that mimics and recreates and enhances natural systems. So in a natural system, for example, when you have the edge of a forest and a meadow, that edge place has um, more vitality than um, when you go deeper into the forest or farther away from it. Just as an example, you have more insects, more birds. Um, more soil fertility. There's a lot more going on there, a lot of uh, more microbial activity. And I think that that's, there's an analogy there to uh, human society where uh, people who are, who are marginalized or who are kind of edge walkers, um, there's a lot of creativity there and there's a lot of energy that we can utilize for good. I love that, edge walkers. That mm. is going to be my word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sweet image. And, you know, if you think a little bit more about, for example, the cell, um, the, the membrane that uh, interfaces with what is outside the cell, that's where the nutrients come in, it's where the toxins flow out, and it's where the cell gets information about what's happening out in the world that the cell needs to respond to. Or if you think of um, uh, a cut, a sore, or a wound, it heals from the outside edge going in. So I believe that healing also takes place uh, at the edges, that that's the most potent place. Um, and then it moves towards the center from there. Right. I, I, I agree. And um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the links in the chain of violence that, that go from the battlefield to the boardroom. And the connection there, that the dot, then there are dots, I believe, that do connect. I do too. I agree. Yes. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of decisions that are made that um, are life or death decisions, but as you, I think, very rightly say, that a lot of them are made in the boardroom in a place that is uh, detached from what may be really going on in a community. So, uh, that creates a gap. And I think that there are a lot of well-intended people, and a few not so well-intended, that, that plan actions and interventions without, um, without that connection to what might be happening on the ground. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that boardrooms are not necessarily heartfelt places. I think that's changing with the way yeah. our leaders are becoming educated. You know, there is a, there is a shift. But for the most part, if you look at traditional um, hierarchies of corporations and governments, the, the heart is not what's at the, 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 the center of the matter. It's a pragmatic. Um, it's a pragmatic. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, it's all yours. You go. And <laughs> no, um, often, that, 
often the pragmatic consider or what what people in the boardroom would consider to be pragmatic are anything but that um, because they're they're disembodied and disconnected in my opinion. So, for example, even when we're calculating um, the cost benefits of, um, let's say, solar panels or, uh, you know, any kind of um, green technology and there are decisions made in the, the boardroom of a company, very often we don't calculate in um, what, what does it take for those board members to fly or drive in to get to that meeting, to sit in traffic, to be in a room that's air-conditioned or heated artificially with artificial light, et cetera. So um, sometimes there are cost factor, factors that are not um, taken into account in, uh, in calculating how a decision should be made, who should make the decision, and what the actual cost is of a boardroom decision, for example, in this case. Um, chat for a minute, a bit. Chat for a minute about where you're going with this project. What what is being done with these young men and women as they grow up? Because now the the, the kids who were first a part of this film are are older. I mean, they're they're leaders in training. They are. They are, and um, it's really interesting to watch them. Uh, we have two of our kids who are in college in the United States. Uh, one of them is at Kent State. And when he applied there, he didn't know anything about the history of Kent State. Um, he didn't know about the anti-war activities and the students that were killed there. And um, he was actually accepted because of who he is, because uh, the university has gone through some soul-searching, and they very actively decided that they wanted him to be part of the community there. Um, we have another... A uh, person who's at Foothill Community College, and um, P.S. If anybody wants to schedule a screening at a time when they could be there, then they're available for that. Um, and then we have kids in Liberia. We have um, almost all of them are either finishing high school or are in uh, college, and um, one is apprenticing with um, a very uh, able peacemaker. Um, working in the community, and uh, others are teaching permaculture, and all of them are working with other ex-combatants. So uh, they're really starting to come into their own as leaders, and it's, it's gorgeous and thrilling to see. Oh, it is gorgeous, and it, it, what I love about the update is the hope, the optimism, the transformative nature of the human heart, you know, through the work that you do, and these youngsters' willingness. I mean, the other part of it is the willingness, having the desire for something more, for something better. Yes, and um, and the the understanding over time that they can replace the the trauma with an identity that can they can see themselves as healers. They can see themselves as people whose story can help others, and uh, they can begin to understand that. Um, I mean, what we talk about is that healing is a lifelong process. It's not an event. It's not something that happens overnight, like you were saying about forgiveness. And so they understand that there are interactions with the community as leaders and mentors for other people as part of their own healing process. Well, we are out of time, and I would love to have you come back again in a few months and keep updating us and updating us on the, the progress. Delighted. 
Uh, it'll be great. So once again, the websites are everydaygandhis.org, thefighttoforgive.com. On Facebook, Everyday Gandhis, Future Guardians of Peace, and The Fight to Forgive. Those are three different pages. And on Twitter, it's at Everyday Gandhis. And Gandhi is G-A-N-D-H-I-S. Next week, we have a fabulous encore performance, I would like to say, or encore presentation of David Allen, who really is probably one of the number one um, speakers that I know talking about getting things done, life and work management. And he has a fabulous presentation that will be aired next week for Thanksgiving Encore. I also wanted to let our listeners know that we have a global gratitude gathering that's taking place through Harvesting Happiness on Saturday, November 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern live. And then there'll be a rebroadcast available to all those who register if you can't make the actual live presentation. This is a 90-minute global gathering where we're going to get together and we are going to express gratitude and talk about the meaning of gratitude and learn new ways of cultivating more gratitude. And this, this workshop is at no charge. It's complimentary. It's our thanksgiving to you, our listeners, and our community. And to find out more, go on over to Harvesting Happiness on Facebook, and you can um, hit the link there and sign up. And we've got a couple of thoughts before we part. In fact, I'm probably only going to have time for half a thought. And that is, um, we want to thank you for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Jane Akayu, and Cynthia Travis wishing you kind thoughts kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Have a great day, y'all. We will see you, and that's in air quotes, next week. Take care. Nobody got no time anyway, somehow, Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts.